Good morning. So this last week, I don't know if you saw, but there was a uh, pretty important sports sports game, uh, basketball game uh, between Duke and UNC. And I'm a big Duke fan, and Pastor Josiah is a big UNC fan. So that morning, I started the trash talk, and I was pretty confident because uh, Duke has, I don't know if you guys have heard of him, Zion Williamson, who's, I mean, they were like, this guy, there, there hasn't been anybody like him since LeBron, and I mean, he's crazy. If you, if you Google him, there's all these ridiculous just feats of athleticism um, that you'll see. I mean, just crazy. And so I was pretty confident, so I started texting him real early, and, um, and we're talking trash that whole day. And then the game starts, and it's huge. I mean, uh, President Obama was there, um, a whole bunch of different like celebrities. They said that the cheapest ticket in resale was $2,500, which is around like what people are paying for the Super Bowl. Just crazy. Unbelievable. Um, so I'm watching this game, and I'm extremely excited. And in the first 30 seconds, first 30 seconds, Zion Williamson goes and he plants his foot. And I don't know if you guys saw this, but his shoe literally busted. Uh, his, his foot busted through the shoe. Go ahead and get that picture. Do you see that? So his foot, that's the shoe, and his, his foot literally went through the shoe. Unbelievable. And then that's the actual, that's what happened. You can see there where it just, it just busted through. And he was injured. Um, he, he got like a, a knee sprain where he didn't play the rest of the game. So these people that, that spent $2,500 at least come to this game. 30 seconds later, they're like, well, Zion's out. Uh, a huge waste of money. Um, Duke ended up getting destroyed. And uh, it, was extre- it was one of the weirdest things that, you, that you'll watch. You'll see sometimes where a guy will, will sprain an ankle or anything, but I've never seen a shoe get busted by like a foot just going through it. Just crazy. Um, but what, they, what, what we saw is that the structure of his shoe could not handle the force and the pressure of his foot. And because of that, the next day, Nike stock, which he was wearing Nikes, Nike stock dropped $1.1 billion just because people saw this picture of this Nike shoe not being able to handle the pressure of his foot, which that's what a shoe is supposed to do. Um, and so... We're starting a series called Breathing Room. And what I want you guys to think about is the structure of your lives, the structure of your schedule. Is it able to withstand and and hold the pace and the pressure of your life? A lot of times with our schedule and the way that we live our lives, we just shove it with so much stuff where we feel this anxiety, this pressure of we've just got so much going on. We have so much pressure, so much stress. And I want to ask you, is the schedule of your life able to withstand the pace in which you live it? So breathing room. This is a series from Andy Stanley's church, North Point, and, and he described breathing room as this. He said, breathing room is the distance between our current pace and our limits. Breathing room is the distance between our current pace and our limits. Uh, I don't know, did any of you guys play Oregon Trail as a kid? Anybody? Yeah? It was, it was a, uh, a good day in school whenever you got to play Oregon Trail. And um, I remember as I got older, we got Oregon Trail to where, you know, is at our, our personal computer at home. And uh, I remember playing and, and in this game, Oregon Trail, you know, uh, there would always be these, these different alerts saying, hey, you know, uh, a deer was spotted or, you know, some sort of animal where you could go out hunting. 
And all Oregon Trail was to me was just a hunting game. Like, that's all it was. Like, just basically try to get, as, as, as get to Oregon as fast as you can and hunt along the way. That's all I did. And I remember there would be some times where it would say, hey, there's a buffalo stampede. And this was like, this was gold whenever you were with Oregon Trail. Because if you, if you kill a buffalo, I don't know how much they weigh, but it's a lot. You know, that's a lot of meat. So I'd go out and, and hunt buffalo. And, uh, and so it would be like, you, you got 20,000 pounds of meat. I don't know what it was, but it would be like, you can, you can take 17 pounds. And the reason being is because I already had so much meat that I had accumulated. I didn't even have any room to bring this other, uh, this other meat, all this, all this buffalo that I had um, hunted. And the reason that I think this series is so important is because I think as a church together, we're, we're starting to go on this journey where we realize that God has more for our lives. The Christian life following Jesus, following God himself, can't just be reduced to just a Sunday morning experience and just something where we just add something to our schedule. I think we're starting to realize this. But my fear is that we have packed our lives with so much stuff. Our schedule is so busy. We just we don't have time for anything. We don't have any space. We don't have any room to where if God were to come to you and say, hey, I've got this amazing thing for you in your life. That just like with Oregon Trail, you'd say, eh, well, I just don't, I don't have any room for that. I don't have any space. I don't have any time. And so I think this is so important because I think that God has something individual for you, a dream for your life, some way that you can change the community, some way where you finally will feel fulfilled, where God is using you in a way where you know, man, this is what I'm made for. But I think sometimes the structure that we currently have doesn't lend itself to being able to fit anything else in. We're just so busy. Everything's so packed. We don't have the breathing room for God to do something great. And so uh, today what I want to talk about is three enemies of breathing room. These are three things that I think get in the way of actually getting that sort of structure in our lives to where we can actually um, end up having the space where God can truly do something amazing. The very first one, and this is ABC, so it's real easy for you to take home and, and uh, remember, but the very first one is aimlessness. Aimlessness. In the very beginning of the Bible, when God created the earth, it says that the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. So what we see is that, that before God put the, the structure of, of the earth in place, there was disorder and emptiness. Disorder and emptiness. And I think that when we don't truly follow God and really, really uh, accept his structure for our lives, that's how our lives can be described is, is disorder and emptiness. And sometimes we live our lives just aimlessly, just just surviving, just doing whatever comes, um, you know, it, it's like your email inbox and e uh, email comes in and you just respond to it right away and just your day is, is defined by just whatever shows up. We wake up, we eat, we work, we eat, we keep working, come home, watch TV, eat, sleep, repeat, repeat, repeat. And that's just our lives over and over and over. 
feel no traction. We feel no, no sense of accomplishment because I think that it's just disorder. There's no, there's no um, structure in the way that we live our lives. You know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, um, you know, these are like the five needs that every single person um, needs in order to feel fulfilled. First is physiological, need to breathe, need to eat, need to stay alive, you know. Second is safety. Third is belonging. Fourth is esteem. And fi- fifth is self-actualization, the, 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 the moment where you realize why you were created and you're operating in that. And so I, I believe that the majority of our lives, though, they, we just focus on the first two, physiological and safety. We eat. We breathe, we sleep, we go to our jobs so that we have enough money to be able to provide for our houses, and it's just repeat, 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 repeat. Ephesians 5, 15 through 16 says this, it says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but, but check this out, it says, understand what the Lord wants you to do. You see, the, 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 where we start to make traction in our lives and where we start to, to not live so aimlessly is when we understand what God wants us to do. And this isn't just a, this is wrong, this is right. Do what God has to No, for your life, God has given you a dream. He has made you specifically with a personality, with gifts, with with, with passions, to where there is something that God wants you to do. And it it goes all the way to self-actualization, where you actually realize why you were put on this earth, why you exist. It's not until that moment where, where, where you say, God, what is it that you want me to do? To where I'm not just surviving but I'm actually doing what I've been made to do. That is what Ephesians is saying is is the moment where you don't just act thoughtlessly and live aimlessly. That's where you get the structure to where you say, okay, whatever God has created me to do, I'm going to act in that. But you have to be a student of yourself and what God wants you to do. You have to have the breathing room to take the time to actually dream and to say, God, what? What is it that you could use me to do? But you have to have that space in your life where you can take the time to actually dream. You know, because I think we think we have all the time in the world. It's crazy how short, how fast time goes. In um, my senior year of of high school, they had an all-night grad party at Ida Lee. It was so fun. And what they did is they said, someone's a huge fan. And... uh, they, they set it up to where the, the bottom floor was a, like, set up like a casino. And for my personality, I was like, this is awesome. Like, I'm, I'm a baller. Um, and they give you all this fake money, and it's like, sweet. And uh, you just feel like James Bond, you know, you walk in, and, and um, you have this fake money that you can use. And so there was the craps table, which... Um, you know, they, they have these bets that are called dummy bets because it's, it's, your odds are, are so slim and it's basically where the craps table gets uh, the most money. Because if you know anything about craps, statistically speaking, it's where you can actually make the most money. It's about 50-50, just 
so you know. Um, but there's these bets in the middle where the odds are just ridiculous. Like you just shouldn't bet on these, these, these bets in the middle. And I didn't know this. So I took a good amount of my fake money and I put it on snake eyes just because it sounds cool, you know. And that's where two ones are rolled. So statistically speaking, it's, it's you know, slim to none. And I, it hit. Like the guy rolled and it was snake eyes, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get so much fake money. And <laughs> it was literally like millions of dollars in this fake money. Like, I don't know how they had enough chips. And so I'm thinking like, well, this is awesome. But then like with my baller mentality, I was like, I'm just going to start, start throwing chips to people. I'm going to start making ridiculous bets, like all this, because it's fake money. It doesn't mean anything. And so I thought... And we got to the end of the night, and they went through the awards. And they were like, the high roller award goes to Chris DeMarco uh, with such and such, which was less money than I had won. And you win $500 gift card. And I didn't know about that. And, <laughs> and I remember thinking, like, man, like, how much cooler is it if I had 500 real dollars <laughs> than, like, a million fake dollars and thrown around, you know? I just didn't realize how, how it actually, how important it was. I was just throwing it out like it was nothing. And I think with our time, we do this. We just think, I've got all the time in the world. I'm going to spend it kind of doing whatever I want. There will be a time where I actually get to focus on the things God wants me to do. But for right now, it's just, I'm just going to live my life and live kind of aimlessly. Moses said this in, in Psalm 90. Moses says, teach us to realize the brevity of life, so that we may grow in wisdom. Saying, hey, it's a good thing to realize how short your life is. To realize, man, we don't get a whole lot of time on this earth. So we need to make sure that the, the small amount of time we have, that we're using it for the things that actually make a difference. You know, I... You know, it's, it, it's easy to, like, just get into this, this rhythm of life where all it is is just doing things that don't make a difference. And we just numb ourselves and we just do stuff. And we fill our, our time with things that aren't actually part of the direction that Jesus wants to take you. You know, have... You know, there's going to be things in, in this earth, things in, in part of life that just... They're not super fun. They're just things that have to happen. You know, you, you got to go to work. You know, you, you've got to take care of kids. You have to do these different things. But I think underneath all of that, when you really understand your purpose in life, every single moment can be intentional. Every single moment can be, can be with direction and with purpose as to what God has called you to do. So I think it's so important to know that, that even when you have a busy schedule, because there's times where you can't clear everything off your, your schedule. You're going to have things that you have to do. But know the purpose of why God has put you where he has. You know, I, we've kind of had a, a, a shift of thinking, you know. Some, some of it is with, like, sports. You know, there's, there's schedules that just take place that are, that are crazy, and, um, you know, a, a lot of pastors, I saw one tweet out last week. It was like, hey, um, you know, these are your chances of your kids making it pro. And then 
your chances of your kid being in front of Jesus is 100%. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's really true. But then his, his um, explanation is he said, you know, like, you're not uh, focused on the kingdom of God. And then he talked about church attendance. And it, it made me think, man, like, I, I, it, it made me think, like, that kind of was my thinking before was just like, hey, don't do anything. Sports need to go out the window. You need to make sure you are at church and kind of reducing following God to just that. But I think there's something even deeper to where what if you realized your purpose and you have your kid in a league that maybe, you know, they're actually meeting on, you know, times of church activity, but you know your purpose where you say, I, my kid is in this league because there are 10 families here that don't know Jesus. And what if I didn't just focus on coming to a church building? But what if I brought church to them? And then all of a sudden, the busyness of the games and the practices, you start to get excited because you're like, that's more time that I get to be around my mission field. Same thing with your work, with your job. Imagine if you had that kind of mindset where it's not just like, well, I'm going to punch the clock from 9 to 5, then I'm going to be done. But what if you're like, man, the moment that I come into my work building, I'm on mission. And I have purpose in what I'm doing. And every conversation I have with one of my coworkers, yes, it's about work, but I'm going to do it in a way that's intentional. When you have that sort of purpose in your heart, it changes everything. So the first enemy is aimlessness. The second enemy is busyness. Busyness. Bob Goff, uh, author of Love Does, he, he wrote this. He said, it's easy to confuse a lot of activity with a purposeful life. You know, when God set up his, you know, when he created the law in, in um in the Old Testament, basically he was setting up his nation the way he wanted Israel to act as a nation. So they had all these different laws. And in it is kind of a strange law called the law of gleaning. And it says this in Leviticus 19.10, When you harvest the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your fields, and do not pick up what the harvesters drop. It is the same with your grape crop. Do not strip every last branch of grapes from the vines and do not pick up the grapes that fall to the ground. Leave them for the poor and the foreigners living among you. He says, I am the Lord your God. This is kind of an interesting law because you would think, man, if I own a crop, if I own a field, every last part of it, I need to make sure we get everything so that our, you know, I make the most money on whatever I, I, I've got. And I think that there's multiple reasons for this. One is that in the margin, in the edges of the field, people that, that um, are so close to God's heart, the people that are poor and the foreigners, then they would be able to have something to eat. So I think there's something in that. But I also think God's teaching us about margins, not having to max out everything. You know, there's a term called FOMO, fear of missing out, which is just I have to do everything. I have to pack my schedule. When it comes to work, I have to do everything. It's a sphere of like basically leaving, um, you know, a one, you know, a, a bit of the, the grapes from the vines, like leaving one little part of your life. What if I miss out? What if, what if, what if? You know, we think I need every dollar collected, every hangout attended, every moment filled with something. 
We just max out everything in our lives and we get so busy in the process. But I want to ask you, just like here in Leviticus, the Israelites needed to trust God with that margin to say, you know what, I know he's still going to take care of me even though I'm not gathering 100% of my crop. I want to ask you, do you trust God with your time? Do you trust God with the things that you do even if you're not maxed out to 100%? If you leave margin on the outside, so you trust God with that. You know, when it comes to the, the, the Good Samaritan, you know, the two guys that passed the, the person that was just bleeding and, and, and needed somebody to just help them, the reason that they passed over him was church activity. It was busyness. And they were so busy that they missed the very mission of God. So I want to ask you, you know, are you just so busy? Because I think what it does is it comes down to value. We think if I'm busy, then I'm valuable. If I always have something going on, then I don't have to ever have a question as to if I'm valuable or not. So it comes down to what's your identity? Is your identity in busyness and what you do, does that make up your value as how much you do, how much you accomplish? Or is it the fact that you are a child of God? Because when you realize that, then you can trust God with the space. You can trust God and say, you know what? I'm not maxing everything out. I'm going to trust you with some of this space. Um, you know, the, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen lion tamers, you know, I've never seen one in real life. I don't know if they're still even around, but, uh, you know, they, they always had a couple things. One was like a whip, which that made sense. Like, you know, to, to show the lion, like I'm in charge. They had a gun, you know, if things went wrong, you always got that. Um, but then they always had like a stool or a chair, which was like one of the most confusing things. Like you can't do anything with a stool or a chair and, um, you know, these lion tamers would be holding this stool. And I realized that that was, for a, that was a scientific reason. That these lions, whenever there was a stool, so maybe it had three legs or four legs, the reason being is that a lion wouldn't know which one to focus on. And so this lion, this powerful lion, becomes paralyzed because there's multiple things going on and they don't know which one to focus on. I think that speaks to us that when we are believers, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. We have, the, the, we have infinite power, which is God, inside of us, which is crazy to think about. But I think that um, a lot of times, just like a lion being paralyzed because they don't know where to focus, we're the same way. We're so busy. We have so many things going on that we have this power inside of us, yet we are paralyzed. So we have so much going on. Just like a lion, you know, a lion tamer can tame a lion by just trying to keep it distracted. I think that's what Satan does. He realizes he is not more powerful than he who is inside of you. So he thinks, maybe I can just keep them distracted. I can just have them having so much on their plate that they don't know what to do. So what, what I want to encourage you to do think about all of your schedule, all the activities, all your commitments, everything that you have. If you were to just basically take everything and put it out in, in, in the middle of a room, you know, it's kind of like that, that tidying up the Marie uh, Kondo where she's like, does this spark joy? You know, you think like, does this, you know, and, and you think, um, you know, all of this stuff, what truly do I actually need? What actually like sparks joy? Think about like your, your schedule and you think, 
what actually contributes to the purpose of God in your life? Will this contribute to it? Is this one of the, the necessary things for us as a family, for me as a person, for whatever it is, to accomplish that which God has given us to do? So I think that we have a lot of stuff in our schedules, and not all of them are necessary. You know, us as a church, we actually, you know, our um, vision statement of knowing God, finding freedom, discovering purpose, and making a difference, this was huge for us because we didn't have any really direction. We were pretty aimless as a church. And then when we found out, hey, there are four things that we want to see God accomplish in every person's life. And then we started thinking, does, does everything that we do actually contribute to that? And there was a lot of stuff. There was a lot of fat that ended up getting trimmed because we realized, man, we just need to focus on what God has given us to do. So for you personally, what this is going to take is the ability to say no. Learning to say no to some people and to some commitments. And this means that you are going to have to accept God's purpose in your life over people's opinion of you. And this is going to be life-changing for some of you to say, you know what, if, if Jesus is the one that I'm focused on pleasing, if his purpose in my life is supreme, there are going to be some people that ask me to do something. There are going to be some people that, that uh, request something, and I'm just going to have to say no. And realizing, okay, God's purpose in my life is more important than this person's approval of me. And that's going to be huge for some, uh, some of you when it comes to this, because some, like, some of you are just so maxed out. You know, it goes back to God's structure in our lives. You know, when, when, when uh, God gave us the, the Sabbath day, you know, like when, when God created the earth, he had six days where he created them one day where he rested. And then in the Ten Commandments, it says, um, you know, for the Sabbath day to, to remember it and to keep it holy, which is one day where you just say, you know what? We're just going to breathe. We're just going to breathe. We're going to rest. We're going to take the things that actually fill us up, the things that actually, um, uh, you know, the, the, the things that are so important, like Jesus and our relationship with him, and our gratefulness for our family. And we're going to take a day to just rest and think about these things and do the things that fill you up. You know, a lot of times we skip over the Sabbath. We think, ah, it's not that important. But it is part of God's structure for you. It's, it, you know, it's kind of like, um, I love like the old school um, pinball machines. Uh, there was, uh, Amber and I went to Denver and there was this barcade um, where they had all of these old school pinball machines. And the, the, the place opened at like 3 o'clock, and I think I was there at like 2.45, like waiting outside this place. And um, finally it opened, and it was just like me and Amber like in this, this just really like dirty like barcade. And I'm like, yes, this is awesome, all of these pinball machines. And I looked like a kid, like I had my quarters, you know, and I'm like walking around like... Uh, there's the uh, Star Wars one, there's the Simpsons one, there's this, like, thinking, like, what do I want to do? And I just, I loved it. But what, what stinks is when you're playing these old school pinball machines, they have something, it's like a tilt feature, where if you hit it too hard or you shift it, um, you know, you try to shake it, there's a tilt mechanism that will shut down the, 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 the machine to where, where you can't do anything. 
And it's actually like this, this cone that's, if you actually look at the mechanism, it's this cone surrounded by this metal ring. And if that cone hits the metal ring, it shuts down. And you see it's, 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 a, it's a protection of the machines because if they just keep getting hit, hit around, they'll get beat up. And it's a structure, it's a mechanism to keep these machines operating correctly. And the way that God created you is like this, where, where, where he created these, these structures and these mechanisms in place in your body to where your body, you will shut down if you are just go, 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 and there is no rest. And that's what we do sometimes. We don't have a Sabbath. We don't have a time to just breathe. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 and 29, Jesus said this, he said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. Rest. Think about that. Do you need rest? Are you just so busy? You're just go, 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 go. You know, God's structure for you is stress, then rest. Stress, then rest. When I say stress, it's not like anxiety and stress. It's stress as in going 100%, giving it your all, doing the things you know God has called you to do and going at it 100%, but then taking a day where you just rest. And you get ready, you, you get recharged to just go 100%. And then you rest. But some of us are just rest and rest. We just, yeah, I don't need to do anything. I did, you know, or stress, stress. Like just 100%, 100%, 100%. No time to actually breathe. So that's so important. It's just busyness is, is an enemy. And the last thing is continuity. Continuity. There was this uh, TED Talk I saw on tying your shoes. And the majority of us, when you tie your shoe and you get the loop, this is not going to make any sense, but you go, clock, you go counterclockwise around the loop to tie the, tie the bow. And this guy was saying that actually if you go counterclockwise around the loop and you pull, that it's going to like basically reduce the amount of untied shoes that you'll have because it, the bow actually goes with, with basically the, the, the way that the bow is facing. It'll make it to where your shoe becomes... Uh, untied way less. And I saw this and I thought, man, that is so cool. This is going to save me a lot of time. But have I, have I changed the way I tie my shoes? No, because I learned a certain way and I just keep doing it. I think if I actually like changed the way I did it, like it's going to take some time to actually do that. I think that that's what happens is just we have status quo. We have life as it is. We have all this stuff that's just going on. And if we don't actually take time to make the change. Nothing's going to happen. And I want to encourage you that there is so much at stake when it comes to breathing room in your life. There was this lady named Bronnie Ware, and um, she worked in hospice with people uh, with an average of 12 weeks to live. And they had two regrets, two top regrets in their life. I'm going to start with number two. There's the second um, the most that they had as far as regrets was number one is I wish I hadn't worked so hard. She said this, that this came from every male patient that I nursed. They missed their children's youth and their partner's companionship. Women also spoke of this regret, but being from an older generation, many of the female patients had not been breadwinners. All of the men I nursed deeply regretted spending so much time on the treadmill of work existence. You know, that's what's at stake. It's just working so hard that the very people that God put in your life to love 
your kids, your spouses. You just don't even, you just miss their lives because you have no breathing room. You just think, I got to work, 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 work. We got all these schedules, got all these things to do. And it's even activities that you give your kids. And you're just constantly busy where you have no time to actually just be together. So that's the second thing. And number one is, this is the, the biggest regret. I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself and not the life other people expected of me. She said, this was the most common regret of all. When people realize that their life is almost over and look back clearly on it, it is easy to see how many dreams have gone unfulfilled. I know for a fact that God has a dream in your life, but you have to make a change as far as the pace and the structure of it in order to see those dreams become a reality. This is my last thing. In Matthew 4, this is when Jesus calls the disciples. And it says, One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. That was their, that was their living. They were fishermen. And it says, Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little further up the shore, he saw two old other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets, and he called them to come. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. You see, they couldn't just keep doing what they were doing and follow Jesus at the same time. They had to drop their nets and follow him. And in no way am I saying, quit your jobs. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there has to be some sort of change, some sort of drastic change that takes place that says, you know what, Jesus, your schedule, your structure is what I'm following. This thing that I've been doing, it's not working. I'm going to drop my net and I'm going to follow you, whatever you've got for me. But, you, but the temptation is going to be you just show up to work or wherever you spend your time tomorrow and it's just back to status quo, just doing the same things. I want to ask you, if Jesus were here today, literally in, uh, in flesh, Jesus himself, and he were to come to you, and he were to say, I want you to drop everything and follow me for three years of your life, would you actually do that? Or would you say, Jesus, man, I'm busy. I've got, I've got a lot going on. So whenever you're back in town and you're giving a message or something, I'll show up for that. But like, I just... I've got so much going on. I can't just drop this and, and follow you. I want to ask you, what, what would you do? Would you, would you actually drop whatever you're, you have going on and say, you know what? This is way more important. The majority of you, like, you know, all of us, we, we need jobs. We need things that are going to, to pay the bills. It's part of life. But I want to ask you, what are the things that you need to drop to say, you know what, Jesus? Following you is so much important the busyness of my life. It's so much more important than just the stuff I have. I want to encourage you to take an inventory of, of your schedules, of your time. Say, what, what is it that I can drop that will give me the breathing room where I can just hear Jesus speak into my life? Because God has a, a, a plan for you. He has a way that he's, that he's going to change the world with how you were created. 
you have the space for him to do that? That's what I ask. And then the last thing, we're about to pray here in a moment. And the most important thing about you and your purpose in life is you have to have a relationship with the creator of God himself. And so if you in here, you don't have a relationship with God, I want to let you know that, that Jesus came down and he died for you so he could have that relationship. And all it takes is just receiving the death of Jesus in your place for the sins that, you, that you've committed, the ways that you've gone wrong. It's repenting. It's turning from your old life and turning to Jesus and saying, I need a relationship with you. If that's you, when we pray, we're going to have a little bit of time where you can just basically say to God, you know what? I want to follow you. I need that relationship with you. I'm taking your sacrifice in my place. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we love you so much. And uh, Lord, we pray, Lord, for that rest that you promised. Lord, a lot of us are, are tired. We're weary. We're heavy laden. God, I pray that you would give us the rest that we need. God, I pray for those in here that, that may not have a relationship with you. I pray that today, Lord, that they would give their lives to you. They would realize that you are their purpose. You're not just someone to maybe believe in. God, you are someone to follow and give our lives to. If that's you, if you're in here and, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you felt this, this stirring in your heart of, of something more, I just want you to pray this with me. Just say, Jesus, thank you so much for giving your life for me. I'm so sorry for all the ways that I've messed up. Jesus, I want to give you my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for coming back to life and defeating my sin. And Jesus, I want to follow you. In your name I pray. Amen.